Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. My main prayer this morning is that you'll just allow the Lord to minister to your heart. That's what I'm after. Um, you know, sometimes people think, well, I'm going to come to church, and they're going to take my money. Nope, we're not. I'm going to come to church, and they're going to beat me up over all my sins. Listen, sin is the thing. The thing about sin is this. The reason why we share the truth is because sin will kill you. And Jesus' whole point in his death, burial, and resurrection was this. I don't want my people to die. Jesus, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. He came to convince you that he was the better way. Amen? And so I just want to share, I mean, I could share a lot of things this morning, but I'm not going to, you know, we could preach weeks and weeks and weeks on the process of what took place and why Jesus came and he was the spotless lamb and all of these things, and they're all good things. But I want to focus on just some specific things this morning. And I'm not going to ask that you turn to the scriptures. They'll put scriptures up on the, on the screen that I, that I share. I, I'm mostly, don't take notes this morning. Just get those ears ready and warmed up to hear. All right? And I mean, if they're cold, maybe you got to rub on them a little bit, warm them up, make sure everything's working okay, and, and hear what the Lord is saying to you. Amen? So as we remember the crucifixion, know that Jesus was not a helpless victim of mob violence. Neither was he merely in the wrong place at the wrong time. How many have heard about those situations before? Peter says that Jesus was delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. So it wasn't a random act. And John calls Jesus the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. That's seen in Revelation 13.8. Jesus himself testified, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one, he says, takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. John 10, verse 17 through 18. Jesus was no powerless victim. He is the Savior and Redeemer. His death was as deliberate as His resurrection. He was in the right place at the right time, and all who believe in him are the eternal be beneficiaries of his sacrifice. So I want to share a couple of things this morning. First, I want to share this, the reality of the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ is the most precious emblem to those of us who call Jesus the Lord of our lives. We love the cross and cherish it because of the price that was paid 2,000 years ago when Jesus died for our sins. The cross represents forgive, our forgiveness, our freedom, and our redemption. We love it so much that we adorn our churches and homes with crosses, and people wear them around their necks. I'm sure there's some here this morning. The cross represents our forgiveness and freedom, of course. We love it so much that we do adorn ourselves with it, but when the pure Lamb of God hung on that cross, we deem so precious, naked, beaten, and bleeding profusely before a watching world, it was a ghastly sight. Indeed, it was the most horrendous moment in human history, as one author said. No death was more scandalous than the death on a cross. You know... 
even in our world today, nobody has ever uh, died as innocent as Jesus. Nobody. Blood drenched Jesus' torso, pouring from his head and brow, running like rivers from the deeply torn flesh in his hands and feet. The effect of the scourging that Jesus had received in Pilate's palace began to take its toll as his body swelled up and became horribly discolored. His eyes were matted with blood that poured from the wounds in his brow, wounds caused by the crown of thorns that bore down into his skull as the soldiers pushed it in hard upon his head. The whole scene was ugly, unsightly, repulsive, sickening, vile, foul, and revolting. In the Jewish world, nakedness was a particularly profound shame because the body was made in the image of God. The Jewish people believed it was a great dishonor to display a naked body. So as, Jesus, so as if Jesus' suffering had not already been enough, he experienced the ultimate act of, act of degradation and shame as he hung on the cross naked and exposed before all those who watched the unfolding drama. Jesus had been put through horrendous forms of torture and had been atrociously abused and battered. As a result, his face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man's and his form beyond that of the sons of men. That's actually a scripture in Isaiah 52.12. In other words, he was so beaten you couldn't even tell who he was. In the New International Version, it says this, His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, any human being, and his form marred beyond any human likeness. Isaiah chapter 53, verse number 3, the New Living Translation says this, starting in verse 3, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care, yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. When Jesus died on the cross, he carried our weaknesses. Our sorrows weighed him down. He was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped that we might be physically healed. The Lord laid on Jesus the sins of us all. With this understanding, let's now look at John chapter 19, beginning in verse number 28 and focusing on verse 30. Jesus makes this statement, and you'll see it, it is finished, which is the title of the message this morning. John 19.28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it up to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. 
Notice he gave up his spirit. It is finished. I want to look at this phrase in the Greek and give four truths that this statement by the Lord means to us. It is finished in the Greek means the end, to bring to full completion, to bring to a conclusion, to complete, to accomplish, to fulfill, or to finish. The Greek word implies something that has arrived at completion, maturity, or perfection. There were many nuances to this word, but four of them have great significance with this defining moment in Christ's sacrifice. The first is this. This statement was Jesus saying, Father, I have finished what you have asked me to do. The work having been fully completed, Jesus bowed his head and died. One writer said, when a servant in that day sent, was sent on a mission and then later returned to his master, he would say, it is finished. I have done exactly what you requested or the mission is now accomplished. In that moment when Jesus cried out, he was exclaiming to the to the entire universe that he had faithfully fulfilled the Father's will and that the mission was now accomplished. No wonder Jesus shouted, for, for this was the greatest victory in the history of the human race. He had been faithful to his assignment even in the face of immeasurable challenges. But now the fight was over and Jesus could cry out, I have done exactly what you have asked me to do. The mission is accomplished. One commentary says this, all that Jesus came to accomplish had been done. He had followed the Father's will, revealed the Father's nature, and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. He lived sinlessly, taught perfectly, and fully purchased our salvation in his death. The second meaning of this Greek phrase It's actually equivalent to the Hebrew word spoken by the high priest when he presented a sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish. Annually, the high priest, under the old covenant, entered the Holy of Holies, where he poured the blood of that sacrificial spotless lamb on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. The moment that blood touched the mercy seat, atonement was made for people's sins for one more year. When once again, the high priest would enter beyond the veil of the sacred room of, to offer blood. This was done year after year to obtain the annual temporary forgiveness of sin. But when Jesus hung on the cross, he was both lamb and high priest. In that holy moment, as our great high priest, Jesus offered his own blood for the permanent removal of sin. He offered up the perfect sacrifice of which every mosaic sacrifice was a type and shadow or symbol. And in that instant, there remained no more need, I love this, of the offering for sin. It is finished. Jesus entered into the holy place and offered his own blood. A sacrifice so complete that God never again required the blood of lambs for forgiveness. Hebrews chapter 9 verse number 12 says, Not 
with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place. Come on, this is right before the Father right now. Once for all. You know, sometimes people think, well, I sinned a sin that wasn't covered. No, you haven't. Once for all. The only sin. The only sin that cannot be forgiven. Now, I'm, listen to me closely. Is if you reject Jesus. That is it. Jesus completed the work once and for all. Having obtained, it means to get, to procure. Look at this word, eternal redemption. That word eternal means everlasting, forever redemption. I love that. Forever redemption. My heart is given to Jesus, and I have forever redemption. I'm not questioning my salvation. I'm not wondering why. Because it is not dependent on my works. And neither is yours. Thus, when Jesus said it is finished... He was declaring the end of sacrifice because the ultimate sacrifice had finally been made. Atonement was completed, perfected, and fully accomplished. It was done once and for all, finished forever. The life in the, new spirit, the, life in the spirit, New Testament commentary says this, the death of Jesus was the goal and capstone of all that God had planned. The completed work of Jesus is finished, but the results are ongoing. Thirdly, this is a term, it is finished, it's a term used in the secular world or in the business world to signify the full payment of a debt. When a debt had been fully paid off, the paper on which the debt was recorded was stamped with the Greek word which meant the debt has been paid in full. This means that once a person calls Jesus the Lord of his life and personally accept, accepts his sacrifice, no debt of his sin exists for that person any longer. The debt is wiped out because Jesus paid the price for sin that no sinner could ever pay. Jesus took our place. He paid the debt of sin we owed. And when we, by faith, repent and receive Him as Lord, we are set free. This is why Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 14, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. When Jesus said those words, it is finished, it was the declaration that the debt was fully satisfied, fulfilled, and complete. His blood utterly and completely cleansed us forever. It was far-reaching and embracing for all of us who put our faith in Him. Lastly, this Greek word in Greek times meant the turning point from one, when one period ended and another period began. Thank God for this turning point. When Jesus exclaimed, it is finished, it was indeed a turning point in the entire history of mankind. For at that moment, the Old Testament came to an end. Finished and closed. And the New Testament began. The cross was the great divide in human history. 
When Jesus cried out, it is finished, he was shouting that the old covenant had ended and the new covenant had begun. In this divine moment, all the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus' earthly ministry were fulfilled. The justice of God had been fully met and satisfied by the Lamb of God. At that moment, the sacrifices of the Old Testament permanently ceased, for the perfect sacrifice had laid down his life for the salvation of mankind. Jesus' mission was accomplished, thus he could cry out that his task was complete. We today remember that since Jesus was willing to offer his own blood for the full payment of our sinful debt, we are forgiven and utterly debt-free. Paid in full has been stamped on our past sinful record because Jesus paid the price of our redemption with his own blood. The last part of verse 30 declares this, and bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What Jesus gave up, we receive Jesus' death released his spirit into all the earth. We just sang it a few minutes ago. The veil was torn. What happened when the veil was torn? The Holy Spirit was let loose. And he'd been loose ever since. People have tried to cage him, but he's loose. You can pass laws and try and cage him, but he's loose. He'll forever be loose. Just as God breathed into Adam in the Garden of Eden, today, Holy Spirit enters the heart of every person who receives Christ as Lord and Savior. Because Jesus took our sin, we can receive His eternal life. Remember this today. If you are weak, Jesus carried your weaknesses so you can receive his strength by faith. If you are overwhelmed with sorrows, how many know we've had a crazy year? There's depression and things going on everywhere and people are lost and don't know what to do. They've given themselves over to chemicals to try and survive. They're full of sorrows. There's weakness in every part of them. Because they don't have relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus says you don't have to be weak. You, don't have, you can open your heart and receive strength. You can open your heart and receive the peace and the joy of the Lord in exchange for your sorrows. If you are living in rebellion today, remember Jesus was pierced for your rebellion so that mercy can be received by faith. If you're living in sin, a sin-crushing lifestyle, how many know this? And we know this in our world. I've experienced it firsthand. About 23 years ago, I said, that's enough. Actually, it might be 24 now. I think it is. Actually, it might be 25. How old am I? <laughs> I am 44, I think. I was born in 1977. Somebody do the math. I'm 44. I didn't have my calculator. <laughs> July the 26th, 1996, 
I said, you win, Jesus. I give up. I let go of my sorrows. I let go of my rebellion, and I had a lot of it. I let go of my sin lifestyle. It was crushing me. Because sin has a wage. It pays out. Now, it's not like your boss. It doesn't pay out every two weeks. But it pays out. And even though in the process of it, there's pleasure, the fruit of that seed is bitter. And instead of God saying, let's just annihilate them all, he said, let's die for them all. For everyone in here, Jesus hung on that cross. The one you see behind me. Not that exact one, but just like that. Jesus hung on that cross. If, you're, if you are broken, not whole, unfulfilled, empty in your heart, remember Jesus was beaten for your brokenness so that you can receive His wholeness by faith. If you are sick, physically ill, Remember that Jesus was whipped for your sicknesses so that you can receive healing by faith. If you are in sin today, you have never made Jesus Lord and Savior. Remember, Jesus allowed God to lay the full punishment for our rebellion, really, for all of humanity's sins on Jesus so that you can receive salvation and total forgiveness now think about the exchange that's taking place in this sometimes people think I don't know if I really want to give to the Lord I don't know if I want to lay down or give my heart over Joy would you come wherever Joy's at <laughs> she's back there just start playing think about this this is what was presented to me 40, 40, 25 years ago. I can take the total screw-up that I've become. I'm talking about me. I'm not talking about you. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. See, I don't know what happens to you when you lay your bed, when you lay your head down on your pillow at night. I know what was happening to me. I was so empty inside. And I had friends, party buddies, I've shared it before. I could not get the marijuana from my mouth to my spirit. I could numb the consciousness of my empty spirit through these things, through what the world offered me. But I couldn't, I couldn't get peace inside. I couldn't, I couldn't get rest. I couldn't get that knowing like, Oh, something's not right. What's out of place? Why isn't this working? I couldn't. And I was good at being bad. 
I was good at, at doing what the world said. You do this and you'll be satisfied. You will. It'll happen. And in the moments, in the, in the times where I was uh, at events with friends or doing all the things that the world says, yes, this will bring you fulfillment. In those moments, no, I didn't hear the Spirit of God. But when I got by myself, when life presented challenges, when things weren't going right in my life or I was in fights or different things going on in my life, at night by myself or even when I was just alone and got quiet in my own thoughts, I knew this is wrong. Something's wrong. What is it? And I was raised in a Christian home. And Jesus was saying, I'm here to convince you, Sean, that I'm the way. So with every head bowed, every eye closed in this place, maybe I'm talking to you. Maybe not. Maybe you're saved. You've been saved. You're satisfied. And I hope you were blessed today in the service. I hope. I pray that your faith was strengthened by the message. But maybe you're in here today and you've walked away from the Lord. Maybe you're in here today and you've never received the Lord. Either one. You knew him at one time and you walked away or you, you, you just don't know him at all. You haven't given your heart over to him at all. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. I lift every person up to you. Specifically, Lord, those who are not in fellowship with you, with you I thank you, Lord, that you have done a work, Holy Spirit, in their heart quickly, even now and during this message, convincing them of their need for you. Thank you, Lord, that you've revealed your love to them. You've spoken to them by your spirit. You've shown and revealed to them through these words and through your, uh, the description of your crucifixion, your great compassion for them. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here today and you'd like to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior or return back to him, I just want you to slip up your hand where you're at and I'm going to pray with you. Maybe there isn't anybody in here. I, I find it hard to believe, but you don't know for sure that when you leave here, if you were to go out today and you, something tragic happened and you passed on to the afterlife, you, you want to know for sure. Is there anybody like that in here? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, I don't see any hands. But it may be that everybody in here is born again. I pray you are. I pray you are. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.